another episode of Paranormal, the New Normal. I am your host, as always, Jeremy, here to try to make the world a little more normal one step at a time. Will we accomplish mm-hmm. that today? Eh, maybe. It can go either way today, honestly. But, of course, <laughs> to, help me, to help me do that, as always, is a guest. And my guest this episode is Gina Linnell Schaefer, author and paranormal investigator. And that's a combo I love, so we're going to have fun this episode. But first things first, how you doing today, Gina? I'm doing good. How are you? Eh, I can't complain. Got to play video games all day. Nice, lazy Saturday. Love it. <laughs> That's nice. Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. And besides dealing with the kids, but that's usual. <laughs> yeah. But so the first question I ask everybody on this show is what got you into the paranormal? They dragged me into it. I um, have been seeing spirits ever since I was a little bitty kid. And so it's like, it's not what got me into the paranormal. It was like getting dragged out of it on Christmas morning when I was four years old by a ghost. Interesting. Uh-huh. Well, if you don't mind, the next question kind of fits into that because it's, have you had any experiences with any paranormal entities, whether they be spirits, ghosts, aliens, cryptids, take your pick. Not so much with aliens or cryptids, but uh, spirits, ghosts. I've been on a few investigations where there are some demons involved. Um, you know, kind of hard to handle, but I get, you know, taught me a lot. So pretty much, I mean, my entire life, it's been surrounded by supernatural. I've got to warn you, I've actually been on these podcasts before where there has been spiritual interruption. I personally think they were just trying to show off, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I actually, I actually know two podcasters who have a spirit. Whenever they record, there's always a spirit that messes with their audio or with their video or something, but they love to do that. Um, and they make lights flicker. They, I've actually had one time, it was pretty funny, a spirit um, actually talked to me through my cell phone. My, I, it's like Siri is telling me the dogs are out and I, I get up and I run around and sure enough, the dogs are out and then I'm looking back and then I hear like laughter through it. And, um, you know, and it says love Keith, which was somebody that had passed away like two years before and who's a good friend of mine. He didn't even know that I, you know, knew how to talk to the spirits at the time, but I guess he knows now. (laughs) Well, if you don't mind, kind of interested to hear about one of those investigations where you ran to a demon. Well, um, it was, I was actually with a team um, and I've had a couple of them, but the one that really stood out was I was with a team and I had a situation where you, we had a young girl, teenage girl playing with a spirit board. Well, we know what that's going to lead to. It kind of opened up a portal. And when we went into her house, um, she, uh, it was filled with spirits. And some of them, one of them was actually her grandmother, and they were very quite talkative. And there was a much younger child that was in the house as well. And the reason why the other spirits were there is they were protecting the younger child. And the younger child could see them. I mean, like I was describing somebody that um, even the mom was like, oh, my gosh, it's just what my daughter described. But there was um, demonic activity in there. And they will sometimes take their, I was with another psychic and they will take their form in a way that they think will scare you. And so 
this one took a form that was almost like with big with like it, i guess like bear like with pointed ears and i you know the person you know that i was with was a little bit frightened by it i don't know what's wrong with me i messed up in the head or something because i thought it was funny looking and of course <laughs> i started laughing at it and calling it a big wuss and a big baby so when we did the uh circle you know the power circle around it i was with our camera person that was on one side and a um another person that was also on the team on the other side and this camera person she was really young it's like one of her first investigations and she didn't realize what we didn't know what we were getting into and bless her heart because you know we're telling do not whatever you do, do not break this circle. And that thing was digging its claws between us, trying to tear our hands apart. And I had these like claw marks that were like, and it was like, it was almost like fingernails digging in. And I held on tighter than I held it. She was going away. And um, actually they're moving from the place. And believe it or not, it was a trailer. And the thing followed him. So it's still kind of an ongoing investigation, um, mainly going over there, doing a lot of staging, doing a lot of prayers. We believe that we've gotten rid of the demon, but it could also sometimes it hides. I think it hides when I come over there, actually. They can do that if they know that you have the power to get them to go away. And it's not really my power. It's the owner of the house, um, which I think she's very fearful. Of course, she's worried about her child. I know the teenage girl to get rid of the, the Ouija board. Um, but it wasn't until after maybe three or four times after us being over there before she finally said, you know what, maybe there's something into this. Yeah, Ouija boards have been a topic of lately on this show because apparently yes. people don't realize the danger of them, even though, I mean, they are marketed to middle scores, though, so who knows? Yeah. And I mean, in, in the Victorian age, it was cool to have one. And I mean, it can does work as a portal, but what happens is it's marketed as a toy and young teenage girls, even myself, when I was a teenager, I played with them and it was like, I had no reason to, I could see the dang things, but I had to show off for my friends, you know, because for a while my parents didn't believe me until I started, you know, telling them things that I knew that I probably shouldn't have told them because you know, I had conversations with some things they couldn't see. Um, but I think it's just a fascination. And even now, my publisher will say, well, you're really into a niche. And it's like, no, this has been going on for ages. The supernatural is there, the paranormal is there, and people are fascinated by them. And I think what's happened now with the world of technology, they have found new ways to communicate with us. Oh, so that's who all those trolls are on the Twitter pages and the Facebook pages. <laughs> yeah, I do want to think the scammers. Definitely the scammers are probably something, something demonic going on there. Oh, my goodness. That is a different talk show. <laughs> yeah. They are out there. Yeah, tell me about it. But it's <laughs> interesting that you brought that up because two days ago, I actually had one of those scammer trolls um give me that you know they how they send you that message oh i can feel your psychic energy and i can tell you all of this and i'm a gifted god gifted psychic and all of this and i started immediately giving getting messages and i was i text her back and said look i'm a clairvoyant empath i can do investigations i'll help the police i'll help people find missing childs and i'm a writer and you're about to give somebody some fatal advice you need to stop 
the person said, okay, I'm sorry. Um, I understand. Haven't heard back from them, but I'm, it's in my prayers that the woman was listening or man or whoever was behind the photo. Yeah. I mean, I get those on Instagram probably every other week or so. Like, and it's funny because it's one of the guys is actually on my show. And then like a month or two later, he sent me a message like that. And I'm like, I think he got hacked because I don't think I can't see him doing that. He may have. And, and that's another big thing, too. I worry about that all of the time about getting hacked, especially as I'm building. Because, you know, you know, being a podcaster, we're trying to build our following and we're trying, you know, to sell the podcast, sell the books, sell the, you know, whatever it is that we're doing. And then there's hackers out there all of the time. Yeah, I'm lucky enough I haven't had one come at me yet, knock on wood. But yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm not big enough for them yet. But <laughs> neither am I. But I have had my photo used for a catfish before. So uh, well. Uh, I can't say they ever did that either, but I mean this face is not a catfish face. I'm sorry. But <laughs> Oh, you're being too hard on yourself. You can uh, say I've got a face for a radio. Well, I do, hence the podcast. <laughs> yeah, podcasts are awesome. I do. Yeah, it is fun. So, what was the? And I don't think you're going to have one. But what was the scariest investigation you ever been on? Um, there's actually been a couple, and one was more of an experience. I was like investigating. It was me and my husband. My husband, I kind of drag him along on a lot of things. And I don't know if this was necessarily scary for him, for me, but for him, I was in a situation where we were staying in a place that had actually caught on fire several times. And I had woken up in the middle of the night by a ghost. She wouldn't tell me who she was. She wouldn't tell me anything. I tried to talk to her. My husband's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, there's a ghost in here. And he's just to the point where he's like, oh, okay. You know, and he just accepts it. He used to scare the crap out of it. Now he just accepts it. And anyways, I fell back to sleep with the ghost in the room. And then apparently I stood straight up in bed and a voice came out of my mouth that was not my voice. My husband said it was definitely a female voice, but she kept saying a name and it, it was clearly, I got this, you know, whiny Texas twang. He said this was much of a Northern deep, but definitely female voice. And she was yelling out a name. Um, and that really scared him because he was like, it was like you were possessed or something, um, which that has frightened me. Cause I, I, in fact, I was working with one investigation team that wanted to use me for mediumship. And I was like, no, I'm not gonna be a human with eat Ouija board. So it frightened me that it was able to take possession of me like that when I was asleep. But after doing some investigation, um, the name that he was hollering out was not the name of the people that had died there. There was actually three people that died there, but the name of somebody that was actually charged for, because the place burned down and she was charged for arson and she was charged for the death of the two of those people. And I had no knowledge of this. So it was an interesting experience for me, but for my husband, it was more of, it was more of a frightening experience. Um, now, I have had um, a ghost attack me in the middle of the night trying to choke me when I was staying in a hotel. He attacked my husband as well. And the first night I just, you know, I was able to get off of him, get him off of me. But I had he left bruises up and down my arm. And so it, it was a notoriously haunted hotel. 
So out of curiosity, of course, we went on the ghost tours because I love going on the ghost tours because I got to go back. And also I like seeing the ghost on the ghost tours because sometimes they tell me what really happened on the situation. And um, this guy, they were telling me the story of how this, he was a civil war soldier, um, how he lost a limb. Well, what I saw either it wasn't him or they have the story wrong because he had both of his arms, but he was holding me down, sitting on my chest, and I could not get up and I couldn't, he held my arm a certain way to where I couldn't get, um, get my husband's attention. And I haven't in really, besides the, the demon, I haven't really had one. I've had been touched, had my hair pulled, been played with, you know, stuff like that. Um, especially for children ghosts, cause they like to play with the clothes and my hair and stuff because I have real long hair. Um, but this one had enough strength as if he was a full figured body. And I was finally able to arch my back and get him off. And there was another ghost that was in there that was a, that appeared to be a nurse that was yelling at him to stop, stop, stop. And that was probably most frightening for me because I wasn't in an active investigation. He was just attacking me. And, um, but apparently he attacks a lot of people in that room because I've done some research and he likes to hang out in that particular room a lot and attack people in the bed. Well, maybe he's reliving some kind of death trauma that happened to him in that room when he was alive. I'm thinking so because um, the, the, hot, the hotel had been there for a very long time. And at one point it was a civil war hospital. In fact, there's dead bodies that's underneath it. And so that's why, you know, when I'm going through it, I, I noticed like there were like, like a lot of nurses. Um, I, I even had one, I'm diabetic, and one was even telling me your blood sugar's low, you need to check your blood sugar. And sure enough, the you know, and so oftentimes I come across some very friendly spirits that are actually very helpful. Um, this guy though, I'm not exactly sure what, you know, what he wanted. He wouldn't talk to me after the fact. He was all I could get from him and I couldn't even be even hear him. He just showed up in EVP saying, you need to go, you need to go now. Hmm. Interesting. And it, 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 it reminds me of that uh, Nicholas Cage movie, fourteen oh eight, kind of, where he's trapped, yes. where he's trapped in the hotel room and like the hotel room won't let him leave. I mean, yeah. kind of similar, but a little different. But yes, and there was another one that actually it reminded me of. It was interesting because I I don't remember the name of the show, but John Cusack was in it, and I found out years later by watching one of those shows. The same exact thing happened to him, and it was the same hotel. So I'm assuming it's the same room. Oh, and that that was 1408. It was John Cusack. Yes. Yeah. And it was what was interesting about it was the psychic that was there saying that because he checked out there's this Colonial Park Cemetery that's real close to there. And the psychic was saying that that, that ghost followed him there. And I mean, I've been to that Colonial Park Cemetery often it's in savannah and there are a lot of soldiers and there's a lot of mischievous spirits but they're really friendly and um i he he was not followed i mean he may have been followed by another spirit but that spirit was already in that room and that spirit it was nothing personal against him or anything like that it was um I think he was just protecting himself. I think he was still thinking he was a, he still thinks he's a soldier at war. Cause you got to take it in mind. If it's a resid, you know, if it's a residual haunting, he's, or even an echo, he's, you know, reliving 
and still thinking he's in this traumatizing time and may not even be aware of, um, you know, what's, you know, what's going on. He, or, you know, that time has passed, like it may be 20, you know, 2023, but to him, it's still 1777. So, you know, or COVID one, however you want to put it, because there were a lot of people that died of yellow fever back there. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah. Spirits don't, a lot of time they can't realize time passed. I mean, the one no. that was my, the one that was my house, I'm pretty sure he thinks he's still alive and he just hangs out in the garage like he was working on his car back in the old days. Yeah. But, I mean, he come. He used to come in the house, but I think he. I think I think he got sick of us, so he stays in the garage now. But we have one. I live on um, in a neighborhood that was where the Battle of San um, San Jacinto was. Uh, it was actually had like the, that's why the name of the neighborhood is actually Battleground Estates. So I don't want to give too much of where I'm at, but um, yeah. Battle of San Jacinto was actually on this land. And I know when I moved in, and I thought he was at first. I just thought he was just a residual spirit because he just walk up and down the hallway constantly, walking up and down the hallway. And then when I'd be in my study, like I, he'll peek in, and I still see him sometimes. But he really didn't start interacting with the family until my son was born. And then, like my son, if he was in his bouncer or something, you would see the little car kind of scoot over towards him and stuff like that. So then he started, I guess, kind of, I don't know if became attached to the family, but he, I think he is actually, because he's, um, you know, I've had friends come over and like psychic friends that can also see spirits. And like when they'll come up to me, come, you know, come up, he'll come up behind me and he'll smile. Um, he will come up if there's somebody around or like a contractor or something that's doing something. He, it's like he hovers around. I almost feel, feel like he's just trying to make sure that we're safe. So I actually enjoy having him here. Yeah, kind of like a guardian spirit almost. It, it, it is nice. Yes, because also, you know, even though I say goodbye and I do everything to make sure that the spirit doesn't follow me home, it can happen. And it's nice to know that he, you know that he's got my back in case that happens and i do believe he's got my back yeah i mean i i get that when when we had our house investigate when we first moved in um we were told originally it was both the wife the wife and the husband that were in the house and that they were here to watch the kids i mean they don't know this through, through the uh dividing rods but i yes. i don't know how much i trust dividing rods because it seems kind of iffy <laughs> but they can actually, if you're using them right, and if you're in around the right energy, they can be um, actually very helpful. I was in San Antonio, Texas, and I was on a ghost tour. Again, I love the ghost tour. I also am a huge history buff, so I legitimately enjoy hearing the stories. And this one particular guy, he was very theatrical, and I, I could tell he really didn't know that much as far as how to use equipment. But he was giving people divining rods, and he was only giving them one. And he says, and it will point to where the energy is. And what was interesting, and I, um, it really creeped out, a friend of mine was with me, and every single divining rod tur uh, turned and pointed towards me. And I mean, so it really creeped out my friend that was with me, but we were also by like a haunted location. And I looked to the left of myself and I noticed that there was a little girl, ghost girl that was there that was just kind of clinging along, looking at the crowd. And so that, that pretty much experience explains it. Cause I usually have a lot of spirits all around me. Cause once they see me, they start, you know, they start talking. <laughs> Interesting. Hey, Don Vic Show, thank you for watching. Appreciate you guys watching. 
But I mean, it's a whole another. I mean, I don't know. I wish I could see him. I wish I could actually see and communicate with the one of my that lives in my garage, so I could see like if his wife's really here one and two, because my wife can sense him. She can't sense the wife though. I mean, he he's playful. Like if my wife's in the basement, like he'll pull her hair or rub her shoulder and stuff like that too, which mm -hmm. is kind of creepy and pisses me off a little bit but <laughs> <laughs> but still i mean and well, my, my my dogs refuse to stay in the garage like I, we put our we put our one mastiff in the garage like back in the summer and she was whining like someone was trying to kill her and then as soon as we got her out of the cage she ran into the house faster than i've ever seen her move wow um well have you tried talking to the spirit friendly wise and just let him know like just i mean it's up to you do you accept his existence do you want him to stay with you or do um, you move on that's why that's kind of why i want to talk to him because i want to like see where he's at with that because i mean it's just i i mean i have no problem with him staying it just as long as he doesn't make my life more difficult by being here okay it doesn't sound like he is though i mean i know he's probably kind of pissing you off with you know messing with your wife and stuff like that but I mean, if he's not doing anything that's offensive, you know, it, it, it sounds like he doesn't mean you any harm. And most of the time, and just in my experience of going on investigations altogether, just in the spirits I run into, they don't mean you any harm unless they feel threatened in any kind of way. But they also take on the personality that they had when they were alive. And if you're, if they were a cranky, mean old man, when they were alive, chances are, they're going to be a cranky, mean old ghost while they're dead. It's just as simple as that. Um, yeah, most likely. I mean, you don't, unless, unless someone does a complete 360 at death, cause they're trying to move on and they, that doesn't work out think, but you could try. Yes. Yes. But I mean, I, if he does want to move on, I mean, I think he could probably do it on his own. You could offer to get him some help if he needs to move on. Um, I feel like you would probably sense his wife. It was there. If you can sense her, you're more than likely sense her wife, unless she's just being quiet and hiding in the shadows. And some spirits do that. Yeah. I mean, when the investigators were here, they said that the wife likes to hang out in my daughter's room and watch over the kids because she never could have it. Hmm. And have you done some background research on that to find out? I know. I mean, I know they didn't have kids because we are surrounded by their family because the street we're on was all owned all by their family at one point. So I've met different parts of their family and they confirmed that they never had kids, but that's basically all I dug into it. I never really could find anything else on them. Mm. So maybe that's true. Maybe she just wants to see the kids. And I mean, I know when I was, I mean, I say the first time that I really remember, you know, encountering a ghost and it was very frightening. I was only four, but my mother had told me um, in the house that we had lived in, uh, they were renting a house in Louisiana and she uh, brought me home and she um, smelled like this, this real thick cigar and saw this huge thick smoke that was over my crib. And I was just laughing hysterically. And there was this mean old grumpy man that they, that was their landlord. And um, he died, you know, he was like saying something about how well, I'll look forward to seeing the baby. I'll look forward to seeing the baby. And he was really nice to my brother. He just didn't like my parents for whatever reason. And 
he died shortly before and he was a heavy smoker and had the cough and you know the high nine yards and of course i'm old so you know i was born you know 70 so um they didn't have the treatment that they you know obviously would have now and she did go into my room when you know one night and she was hearing me laughing and giggling as this tiny infant and she she smelt the smoke in there very heavily and um you know and that was probably really my true first encounter i just was too little to really remember that of course i mean yeah yeah we hate that part yet where memory yeah. sticks yeah i mean it's possible i mean the only the only grievance i have with them is because we had the chickens in our freaking back of our garage we had our chickens and they would stay in the, like a coop area in the back of the garage that was already there when we bought the house and or they started dying mysteriously we oh. didn't know what we didn't know what was happening to them it looked like they were flattened basically we're like, are they falling off the loft somehow? And we had guinea hens in there. We're like, are the guinea hens killing the chickens? But then we moved the chickens out to the shed, and now they no, no, nothing kills them. Yeah, something's up with that. Then I've got to tell you, something's up with that. I mean, when when the investigators were here, like they like the spirit box kept saying like jungle, and they asked them, is jungle in reference to the chickens? Like, are, do you have a problem with the chickens being here? And he kept saying yes and then i've had a meet. i had a meeting on my show that actually reached out and talked to him supposedly mm -hmm. and according to her he said animals don't belong in the house yeah that sounds about right yeah so i mean i i, I, I believe that and i believe that the chickens were too close because something something was happening to them um you know and of course you know chickens are so weather sensitive and heat sensitive it wouldn't take much to you know to dispose of them and so if that's that actually sounds pretty accurate if they don't want an animal in the house and especially depending like i mean how long ago did he live in the house do you happen to know um he died i believe in we bought the house in 2021 i was yeah it was 2021 i believe he died in 2019 or 2020 he died from covid i know that Oh, not COVID. I'm sorry. He didn't die from COVID. He died from radon. Okay. Because our house had a radon issue we did okay. fixed. So. Okay. I'm... So, um, yeah. You might even be angry at the house in general. But, yeah, I, I actually, I mean, I, I haven't spoken to the medium, you know, not being there, not, you know, necessarily sensing anything. But my gut tells me that, yeah, he didn't want the chickens um, near the house. Not necessarily that he's an animal hater. But there are people that are just like, they don't want animals in the house. My, you know, my mother was one of those people. Animals don't belong in the house. Um, and so, you know, maybe he felt like too much of a, you know, too much of a, um, it was too much of a farmyard. I mean, I, I find it odd that he would call it a jungle, but maybe that's how he, re, he, re, he re seen it as. Well, with the, we had, we had um, what African guinea hens in there with the chickens too at, the, at that time. Okay. And they sound like they belong in a jungle. So, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's where that came from. But. Okay. He may not have liked the sound. I had a spirit one time that was very frustrated. Um, we were using a spirit box. And, you know, it makes that loud, ch -ch -ch, you know, attacking yeah. noise and stuff. And he was like, he was hollering at me. He was saying, you know, get him to turn it off. It was annoying as heck. And I'm sitting there thinking, really, is a, a ghost hearing sensitive? But it it was bothering him. 
And, um, it, you know, I told him to turn it off and it makes sense to me because maybe it triggered something. I know that there, when you watch like these paranormal investigation shows on television and stuff, sometimes if they're trying to provoke something, get them, they might play certain kind of music. They might have certain kind of smells. Um, things may be drawing them out. Perhaps it was something about the, um, you know, the sound of the sound of them that was just eerily driving him crazy might have been what made the wife go away it's possible i mean it's i mean they are the, they are the most annoying freaking birds in the world <laughs> we, got, we got rid of them yeah. this past summer we we sold them to another person who has a bunch of them that he, sell, he he collects the eggs and sells them but we and he i think he butchers them too and sells the meat but we just we, we got rid of them because we couldn't stand the noise anymore either and it was just at that point that at that point, like the chickens get moved to the garage, and then the, as I'm cleaning the shreddings out of the garage, the back of the garage, I find more dead chickens like buried underneath the shreddings. So, oh yeah, it it wasn't it was fun. It was such a fun job cleaning that up. Oh yeah, yeah. Spirits love to move stuff. Um, sometimes in not a very helpful way. Sometimes that's how they play jokes and stuff. Um, I know we were saying at one place, and my husband had the key. He swore up and down. I saw him put it in his pocket. And he, he went to the restroom and then he was like, he's like, I can't find the key. I looked everywhere. Can I find the key? And it was in his hat on his head. And he was like, how on earth did they do that? And it's like, I can't explain that. And of course, and of course he's looking at me for these explanations and it's like, yeah, I deal with the paranormal all the time. I can't understand how they can move stuff. I had a hot coffee cup that was actually near my son. Of course, my son, he was about five or six at a time, but it was near his drawing stuff and um, it almost tipped over and it magically got moved. And I know that the spirit moved it and it, but none of the coffee was spilled. And so I'm like, well, how do they, I mean, I can understand things like keys and earring, you know, well, not necessarily the keys under his hat to me that was a little bit too weird but you know moving things here and there but there are some things i'm like how in the world do they manage to do that yeah it's it's kind of weird i mean we've had because like i have an amazon fire stick and i had i had a remote specifically for it mm -hmm. i haven't been able to find it in six months now <laughs> and i we, I literally, we've moved every piece of furniture in our living room since then because we had the carpets cleaned and everything. And like, mm -hmm. it just is nowhere to be found. And I found every other remote that was missing because my daughter, like my daughter likes to hide them too, but I find all the ones she hides. It's this one. I just don't know where it could have went. Like I've cleaned every room in this house from top to bottom since then. And it's just nowhere to be found. Um, they like attics and basements and corners. I mean, I'm in my, we actually cleaned our basement since then too, because we moved yeah. the dogs down there and we're, plan of putting a kennel down there but we and i mean yeah we, we don't really have an attic we have a crawl space above the garage but i mean i ain't going up there <laughs> yeah but i mean yeah they they do like places like that though and even sometimes it's like they're not even really well hidden like they'll be just kind of like i'll find things like in the corner and i'll be like really you're gonna put it there um now i did have a situation where i was working with someone and there was a note um, that was 
like placed in a book, like that something had gone, like the book had gone missing and they were looking for, or they, it was a note that somebody had written to him that had passed away and it got slipped into a Bible and the Bible got moved, got moved or, but it was like, she saw it on the floor and it was like way across the room. She's like, how did it get there? And when she opened it, it fell open. So, it, you know, sometimes, you know, there are family members that do truly just, they come to visit my grandfather comes to visit all the time and it just so happens that he was born on my son's birthday and he's even because i'll do evps and things like that too so that i can have the evidence but it's also affirmation for me and a lot of times i'll be trying to talk to the spirit and he'll be buttoning in and saying things and so it's kind of cool because you know i can recognize his voice and it's like here he is yeah 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 this one's not haunting you he's just you know along for the ride yeah, what's what's funny is we put a we put a cam we put cameras up recently just to keep an eye on the house, and we also put one up in the garage. And about a week or two ago, my wife like showed me. She's like, "Hey, I just got an alert. This is weird. Look at this." And there literally was a ghost light or or flying around my garage. Um, check it closely because you'd be surprised because a lot of the orbs that I checked, especially the ones lately with the digital cams, I'm catching a lot of faces within those orbs. In fact, I've been posting them. Um, uh, it's posted very... up on my it's posted up on my Facebook reels and my TikTok and everything. And but I, it's hard because it's it's moving so freaking fast that the first time it flies by the camera, I almost thought it was a bug or something. Even though it's the dead of winter, it's freezing. I'm like, I doubt it's a bug, but. <laughs> Then it loops around and flies like towards the camera and you can clearly see the orb shape. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm like, that's definitely an orb. Okay. <laughs> what color was it? White or blue or green? White, pure white. Yeah, yeah there's like, they come in different shades and I've always been kind of fascinated about the different shades. And sometimes it has to do with their aura too. Yeah, that's what I always thought it had to do with was like their aura or what kind yeah. of spirit they were. But, but let's move on and talk about your books because I... After reading the short descriptions of them, I am dying to hear where you come up with the ideas for these books. Um, well, what I tell people, because I can't really explain it, is that I have mental stigmata. Um, I do like will sometimes get ideas and put on, on a storyboard. But honestly, I will sit in front of my computer and I will just start pounding away. And I have no clue where this is coming from but i mean it just comes out and of course i'll go through the editing process because you know it's because always i'm one of those that i just write it and then i go back and I, I recheck it and edit it before you know of course i send it to editors and publishers and stuff and i'll be i'll be in shock like oh my gosh i can't believe that i wrote that and um even my i have a book coming out march 3rd sharon's last call and my publisher's been raving on it to the point of flattery and i was like oh he's just trying to boost my confidence but then i went and read the proof and i was like oh wow i wrote that i can't you know and my husband read it and then he was just like and you know it's like where do i come up with the ideas i don't know they just pop into my head and then even when they pop into my head i don't know what direction the story is going until I'm actually writing it. That's amazing. I wish I had that ability when I came to writing. I have to sit there and think about it forever, and I get writer block constantly. That's why I don't write that much. But I mean, even every nothing works. I've tried smoking things, drinking things, and nothing <laughs> like nothing gets rid of it. But uh, you sound like my friend because he was always he 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 teases me. And he actually was one of my beta readers for Ashron's last call that's coming out. And his joke was, was that um, he's like, you know, 
Stephen King has admitted to doing drugs and drinking a lot and stuff. He goes, you write this shit when you're drinking iced tea. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. Oh, Stephen King's Coke years are some of the best years of his writing. But... I know. And I have to admit, I have read Pet Cemetery so many times. I think I've read Pet Cemetery once every other year for years. I mean, I like some of his other books too, but you know, that, that one was just one that really got to me. And of course the shining and stuff like that. And, um, I, that's what I told my publisher. Cause he was, he wanted to know, um, you, what was my goal? And I told her to scare the crap out of Stephen King. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I live in Massachusetts and it's been a goal of mine for the last five years since I started I started reading Stephen King in 2017 after I saw it. And I finally said, all right, I really have to start reading his books in order because this whole universe of his, like I knew for a long time, it was all like a, the original multiverse of his and everything kind of goes into each other. So mm-hmm. I started reading it. I got like 10, 15 books in and then moved in with my now wife and her kids. And it just, at that point, no time to read. <laughs> but it is hard to find time to read. It's hard. It was hard for me in the beginning to find time to write um, because my husband was, you know, he's a realist and he's kind of like, you know, well, that's pipe dream, whatever. And so my son who was 14 at the time when I wrote my first book um, and I always had these books and stories in mind and stuff like that. And I used to write when I was a lot younger. Um, he actually did the artwork for my, for the cover Tinny Hall. And I'm currently working on that um, on the uh, sequel of that now. Um, but I had gotten it published through, through Amazon and I, um, I, you know, I got exhibitors to do it. And then, um, I took it, I went to my husband, I said, Hey, you want to see some really cool artwork your son did? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I show, I, I handed the book and I said, Oh, and the words inside, those are mine. <laughs> <laughs> and then he started taking it to work cause he had broken his back at the time. So he, um, was on desk duty. He was a police officer and he's retired now. But he um, started reading it. And now he's like, hey, look what my wife does. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Tanana, when I was looking at that, that actually like that piqued my curiosity because I'm like, ooh, that sounds like a good um, young adult series possibility right there. It, I think so. I know I talked to a producer about it, but they wanted like $50,000, you know, for me to hire a screenplay writer. And I was like, yeah, that, you know, after I giggled about that. Um, but. Tinny Hall, I, I get a lot of compliments from Tinny Hall and um, that one, of course, there's, you know, there's demonic activity, but you've got this pastor that's being, um, that is actually being attacked um, or being possessed sort, sort of like, and he, um, I, I don't know how much of the synopsis you've read, but um, your protagonist of the story is one of them is a young college student who um, is able to see and talk to spirits. I have my female protagonist though. She is um, an autistic mute girl that is the daughter of the pastor that can see the spirits. And so, I mean, I know that was something that was, I I think it's been a big driving point for that book. And so to the point to now that I'm writing the sequel for it, I am giving her a little bit of a larger part, more investigation. I love East Texas. So I write about East Texas. Of course, people might read it and think there's, dang, there's some wild, wild stuff going on in East Texas. Um, but I, I've now 
Teddy Hall is going to be is in this particular book, not to give too much of the plot away, but it, it's going to be the halt in the center, the heart of the book. But there's going to be five points that's around it, time five time points where there's other mysterious murders going on um, that's all connected. So I'm bringing the characters back um, because I one thing is the characters. Um, they're lovable in their own way, except for the and uh, you know antagonist, and he's so evil that you can't help but want to hear more from him. Sounds interesting, and definitely it's going to be on my list of books to get once I actually have a chance to read again in like ten years from now. <laughs> but I trust me, all my all of you authors that have been in my show, I have a huge list of books of theirs I want to read, and well. Just, Send me, you know, send me your information after the show and I'll make sure that I drop a copy of the book uh, of Tinny Hall to you in the mail. And maybe you'll have time to read it. Who knows? It's That one's not that long of a read. I will tell you the sequel's a little bit longer, but not much. Yeah, well, a sequel should be a little bit longer always, in my opinion. At yeah. least, because you want more and more the more you read about it. And, and that, that was the thing, but I was worried about overdoing it. It was originally supposed to be a standalone book. But I had too many people say, no, the story can't be over. You need to continue with this story. So I'm currently working on the sequel. Um, hopefully, you know, I'm writing the first draft because I've written, you know, a few books in between there. And then um, I've got a couple of other ideas. But this is going to take place like five years later. And then in another following five years, I'm going to have, um, you know, after I'm done with a couple of other books, I'm going to have the third book come out. So, and that that's going to be the end. I mean, people are just going to have to say, okay, you need to get attached to some of these other books. Well, that shouldn't be hard, though, because the book you wrote about the Candyman murders was like, that. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, what's that now? Interesting. Now, that is an interesting one now, because... Um, he that is loosely based off Dean Quirrell, who was the uh, real, you know, and, and it's I have it fictional, but I did base it off the real crime. And he is actually buried right down the street from me. And um, my son wanted to visit some of the grave sites of the people that he actually killed. So we went um, some of them actually have are buried where my in-laws are buried. But fortunately, which within good taste, um, none of the victims are buried in the same cemetery that he is. He's actually buried next to his stepmom. Um, but, you know, I'm curious, I won't take my son there because he's very sensitive too. And I sense that he hovers and I, I got some pretty nasty, nasty EVPs from him. But what was interesting was um, I had asked if there was anybody in the, um, you know, in the cemetery that was a victim of him. And I didn't, you know, I just got somebody say my name is, you know, say, say that his name was Michael. And I looked, there was no Michael in the cemetery. There was none of, um, you know, no record of it. Of course, there could be people that he killed that we don't know because we never, um, because he was obviously killed before he um, was able to confess to all of his crimes. And he killed before the two boys that started helping him. But I, when I went there and I took some pictures because the 50th anniversary of when he was killed is coming up on August 8th. And what was really creepy is on a tree that um, is near his grave, a image of him that looks just like one of the pictures. Like if I hadn't taken myself, I would have thought that somebody would have photoshopped that face onto that tree. And it was like, 
I did it. I saw that. And then there's an image of a young boy that's underneath. And I actually have that. I probably will be reposting that now that you mention it. I need to probably make a note to repost that. Um, but that's just right by his gravesite. And it was so close to an actual image that I saw on the internet that um, maybe the smile is a little bit different, but it, it was, I, I mean, I even had another investigator I'm like, what do you think of this? And he's like, okay, that one's creepy. So he, um, he's around and um, I know somebody, there's somebody called, I forget what they're called, but um, they do murder mem memorabilia and stuff like this. And they actually will, they um, sell um, vials of dirt from, you know, mur serial murders, graves and stuff. Yeah. And they actually left a sticker on his gravestone because I went back because my husband, wanted, he, he was curious. He wanted to see the gravestone and somebody he left a sticker and he was pissed off about that. But there are people around there that doesn't want him there. Um, in fact, I know people alive that once I said, oh, yeah, he's buried right here. They're like, I don't be buried in that cemetery. <laughs> I mean, he, a, he was a bad man. Do some research on him. He was he was a bad, bad man. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure a lot, a lot, a lot of most serial killers are really bad people. Yeah. They're now, of course, when, you know, in my fictional part, um, I do have it where, um, it takes place in like three different ways. You have um, the 1970s and you've got the spirit of a, um, of a young boy, David, who was one of his victims that's not aware he's dead. He's telling his story and he is still in his mind. It's like it's in the 19th. It's 1970s, 1972 or 73, whatever I made it in there. I think it was 1970. And then um, I have because and what kind of stirred this up was his house, that house where all these murders occurred. It actually went for sale and it was on the market for a few months. Um, and so I came up with the idea of a re, of a um, of a reporter that worked in works in Pasadena. Um, and these are all real places that works in Pasadena, uh, renting the place in 2001 and realizing she slowly starts to realize her house is haunted but when she goes to sleep she goes within the veil so she actually she's guided by the ghost david who doesn't quite understand that he's dead who's telling her the story and then she starts visualizing the story and then um she realizes that it, of course because you know gotta throw in a demon or two so there was there's a demon that was actually influencing um the serial you know the serial killer to do what he was doing mm interesting yeah I, I mean that one's a fast read too it's a very fast read <laughs> no, i know as soon as i saw it i was like as soon as i saw the synopsis where i was like "Ooh, that sounds very stephen kingish almost but, <laughs> i mean but it's more stephen king stephen king doesn't he, i mean i know he wrote the shining and things like that but he doesn't really deal with a lot of ghost ghosts just doesn't feel like i mean he has that supernatural power in there but mm. um and he's definitely very creative i this is more i think more of a ghost story um yeah. you know it's not really you can't really call it a murder mystery um and i do put a disclaimer at the beginning of the book you know that you know talks about okay there's you know because uh, I wouldn't even use the guy's real name in there just because it's like he doesn't deserve the credit. You, you know, who needs to be remembered or the boys that he murdered. And exactly. um, 
And what really kind of upset me was um, one of the boys that um, that was that because he, he actually paid these young men to um, take paid him two hundred dollars if uh, for every boy that they brought, and they were bringing in friends that they know from elementary school, knowing what that he was going to torture and kill them. And one of the guys is still alive, and um, I think it's Livingston or Huntsville Prison, and. He, you know, he even he does, he shows no remorse for what he did. And at trial, John Gacy was getting all of this recognition. And this guy was actually the first one for um, to be, you know, the first person to be coined as a serial killer. In fact, Truman Capote, when they were pulling up all the bodies, you look at the news footage and stuff, Truman Capote actually came uh, came down there uh, trying to find his next story because, you know, he made a huge hit within cold blood and then, you know, his career, you know, kind of stifled for a while. So he was thinking he was getting his next bestseller and he just he took off. He couldn't handle all the bodies that was being pulled. And this guy was like, yeah, we killed more than Gacy. Almost like he was bragging. And that's that's a big that's a big bribe too because Gacy yeah. definitely had his share of victims. So that's for damn Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I kind of can see why people make martyrs out of serial killers, but at the same time, it's not a healthy practice. No, no, and that's what that was my thing is I wanted to, you know just people to realize okay this is a fictional story, but there were real victims out there that. Um, you know, that mom's waiting, you know, keeping the porch light on all night long, praying that their boy would come home. And they never, they never did. And then when the bodies started showing up and what the guy would do is he actually would have them write a, um, write a postcard that said that, um, you know, that they went to Austin or they went, you know, this place for work or something like that. And that part of the story was actually too, he did do that. I just made my ghost person um, be a little bit, have a stutter and be a little bit slow so that it would make sense why he would not be able to write this, write the letter. And so it would also make sense to why he was having a hard time comprehending the difference between friendship because he was thinking this guy's his friend, but he's doing all these other things. Exactly. And I mean, interesting. That's, I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. All, all your, the synopsis for all your books fascinated me, especially I, your, especially your sorry. newest book, the, uh, oh. 13. Oh, which, the, thir the 13th hour or cause I've got Sharon's last call coming too. And that takes place in hell. I mean, well, the 13th hour, that's the one that, the one that came out last year, I think it was, or 2021. Yes. The 13th hour and this one, I mean, most of my books are probably more adult fiction just because, you know, the language and some of the content, but the 13th hour, um, there are a lot of, I based off cause I do a lot of research on serial killers and things like that. And, um, the, my key character, her name is Merritt and, you know, for, um, you know, Easter egg, her, uh, that means gatekeeper. And what happens is the very beginning of the book, she gets in an accident and she has a brain injury and she meets what she thinks is a nurse, but she ends up being her, um, her guide through time. And her name is Alma Chaser and Alma in Spanish means soul. And what happens is she can only travel during time change. When we lose an hour or gain an hour, that's when the tunnel shows up. 
And so she's being pulled through this tunnel through 13 different time periods where she's supposed to learn a lesson. And the idea is that she's there where she learns a lesson. And um, it got me to doing a lot of research. For example, there's this one where she is in Chicago, but she's in the Polish ghetto part of Chicago. And um, her she's um, she's running, um, you know, it's during prohibition and she's, run, you know, running one of those houses and the speakeasy. And then, of course, a bordello upstairs because the police don't care. But there is a lady that's renting an apartment there that um, she's a psychic and all of the neighborhood wives come and visit the psychic and if the psychic if the guy's cheating on her or seeing one of the girls that's in that's going in the bordello or whatever um she explains to them that they're going to die she goes and buys life insurance on the people and encourages the wife to buy life insurance and then she cooks brownies or something or whether that's going to kill the husband and so of course you know, you know, she's a psychic that's predicting the death, but she's the one committing the murder. And that was a real person that actually did that. Um, so, um, you, you know, and then there was um, there's another one where uh, where the woman was killing um, the Butterbox babies. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but there was a lady in London that um, girls that they would call in an, an unfortunate circumstance. They could come and stay there. They would pay a certain amount of money. Supposedly they would find adoptive parents, but a lot of times the woman would kill the babies and throw them into the Thames River. And so, you know, even though this is all fictional, there's elements, she runs across elements of true criminals that actually did live in that time and did do that time. So I do put a lot of research in what I'm writing. Um, try to, even though it's fantasy and sci-fi, trying to make it you know, a little bit, you know, about this and see, and, uh, you know, interesting, especially if people go to visit those places. I mean, I like that. I like when fiction books have some real history into them as well, because it just, yeah. it makes it more interesting. One of the first authors on, I think she's on my third episode of the show, Brandy Alexander, she, she started writing a, she put out the first book already, the second book's written, go through publishing, and third book and fourth book are being written now, I believe. Mm -hmm. She, <clears throat> it's a, it's a ghost slash demon story, but like it's a Christian story kind of as well. Yeah. Basically, basically this boy you can see ghost grows mm -hmm. up learning like how to use them to help solve crimes and whatnot. And basically he's supposed to be the, the savior in a demons trying to take over earth type war yeah so it's 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 kind of like and but she throws a lot of real life elements into there and history yeah. and stuff and like like the last when the demons broke the lock the last time that's when the dinosaurs got killed mm -hmm. like i like well, i like that she threw that kind of stuff in yeah and it's good and there needs to be some christian base because i i'm going to tell you there is underlining a lot of christian base and all of my books, especially in this in last one, this one that's coming out March 3rd, Sharon's Last Call, but it's especially in Tinny Hall as well, because you can't have good, you know, you can't have evil without good. You can't have, you've got heaven and you've got hell. You've got forgiveness and redemption and, um, you know, sin and forgiveness and guilt and sin. And you've, you've got to have the alternates. And even though like I said, this new book, it does take place in, in one of Hell's Waiting Rooms. Um, the premise of it is you've got um, 
people that are actually in a coma. The original book was titled Coma, but I had to change it because it was just too common of a title. But they get in some sort of accident and they're all in different time realms because time stands still there. And they, when they've come in, they, you know, they, they're in the last chance casino, you know, Sin City, they're gambling, they're drinking, thinking they're getting drunk, but they're really not. They're just time is standing still for them until they get the guts to cross over the Anchored River to get to the bar where the Sharon is at. His name's Gary Sharon, you know, for the ferryman. And mm -hmm. they start, they get their last drink, but within their last drink, which continues to fill up, they get reflections of and echoes of their past lives and some of their greatest sins and their regrets and there is an element of the things that they feel guilty for and um do they forgive themselves are they really showing and there's some, of course and of course i'm a horror thriller writer and i'm a ghost writer so yeah there's some really horrible things in there that happen um but then they take the the tokens that they are given golden tokens as they go through and they put in the slot machine that's behind the bar. Now in Latin, it's mors, uh, vita or atrium, which means life, live, death or choice. And they don't know if they're going to heaven or to hell. If you know, if the Sharon is going to take them to heaven or hell um, until after they make until after they put their coins in. And then, you know, they, they find out whether they get to live go back and live out the rest of their life. They'll have no memory of ever being there, die, go to heaven or hell. And then there's a few interesting situations where they get to choose. They can choose if they want to go back and live the rest of their life, or if they want to go ahead and just die. And so there is a lot of talk about forgiveness and showing and, you know, now, of course, the bridges come that they have to cross come to life and there's demons that spit fire and stuff like that. Yeah, I gotta have that because I love imagery. Um, of course. There is an underlining, um, very, you know, insightful some pieces in there. I've had several people that have already read it, even the publisher himself said it's very introspective. That don't make you um, really think. And I do have a trailer for it. So I have that posted on my pages and stuff if you're interested in checking it out. Oh, I didn't see that when I was looking at your page. I'll definitely have to go back and check that out. Yeah, I, I I need to get a book trailer for Pied Piper's Prince, but I, I like trailers because people just don't read anymore. They really need to read more. And um, book trailers tend to grab people's interest. Well, my theory is if I collect enough books, when the world ends someday, I'll have nothing better to do than read. So That's true. That is absolutely true. That's my theory. And I mean, if it happens in my lifetime, great. If not, it then... Oh, I think it's not so great because, I mean, I don't want my kids to go through it. But if it happens in my kids' lifetime, at least I'll have a collection of books to read. <laughs> That's true. And they can learn some things from our time because our time's pretty cool, too. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty cool. Nowadays, I can't say I really think it's cool anymore. But, um, no, definitely I, not. But I, yeah, I mean, you got to have that, you got to have that yin and yang perspective. And I like mm -hmm. that about Charon's last call. And also, I've talked to people on this show about like who have had NDEs, near death experiences, and yes. a couple a couple of them were given choices about where they wanted to come back or go to go to wherever they were going after. You know, I had two NDEs, and they said, "No, you need to go back." And I even got up to the fifth realm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, uh, the last one was very vivid. I'm actually, yeah, they were very very vivid. But I was told, "No, you have something to do." 
And so it was shortly after my last one was when I started writing. And even though I write what I love to write, but there is some faith that comes out of there. So I like to think that maybe um, that has something, you know, to do with why I was told to come back. But I also know that after my last one, my, my spiritual gifts intensified like it, like crazy. Yeah. I mean, walking into a hospital is, you know, I mean, it's like, I don't get any privacy. So it's, um, yeah, Interesting. yeah, yeah, somebody there. In fact, last I was at one, um, this was kind of an interesting one. I was, my husband, he's been having some heart issues and he was in the hospital in the emergency room. And I hear the cold red, you know, the code red, cold blue, somebody had just passed. Yeah. But before I saw the code blue, I saw this old, you know, like this kind of older spirit. He was walking, he was walking by and I just kind of looked at him. He looked at me, smiled real friendly. And I just kind of mentally said, hey, do you need anything? Are you going anywhere? You know, um, because I do try to help if I can. He goes, no, actually, I'm just here for a pickup. And I was like, I just kind of nodded. And I wasn't talking out loud because I could hear my thoughts. But my husband, he could, he could, he, he knew something was up. And he's like, what's going on? I was like, well, somebody's about to die. And he was like, in the, and of course, two years, two minutes later, the cold blue, you know, the, the cold blue goes off and he's like, I hate it when you do that. I'm like, <laughs> but it was really, it was actually, it was obviously a spouse going to pick up his wife. And I actually thought it was really sweet. That is sweet. I mean, I, I mean, you really don't think that would, I mean, I, you, we, you, you hear it happens. I mean, I've had mm -hmm. people on my show before too, where. Like he watched his, the one guest I had, he watched his father die in the hospital. And like a couple of days before he died, like all of a sudden his father was talking to, and he was like, he was losing his mind at that point. But he's like, oh, your aunt's here. Your mother's here. Like he kept saying like different members of the family that were coming in, like telling him like, it's okay to move on. But yes. And that happens. That's very real. It does happen. Um, and like, even in hospitals, I'll see that there's loved ones that's with them. And, um, I know when I had my near death experience, the first time around, um, a priest that I knew when I was a little girl that I love, love, love to pieces. He was one that had come and talked to me. And then, um, there was a, there was a nurse that actually haunts that hospital. And, um, I didn't know it was one of her, but she's really friendly and um, just have a very distinct type of look about her. And um, her and her name is Grace. And she's one of those because she's she's um, Native American looking and she has a very round face wearing an old fashioned nurse uniform. And so I actually had met somebody who had seen the same ghost. So it was really nice. And she, it was nice for her to have that affirmation. But she was also there when my son was born and um, she, she, I was like, could you please check on my son? And she would go back and forth and tell me how my son was doing and that, that I needed to hang on and that I was going to be okay. Cause, um, I have a big, you know, problem with my pancreas and, you know, they thought they were going to lose me. And then there was another time where I was losing a lot of blood and she was like, nope, nope, nope. you got to hang on. And then when I had left my body, um, when I had come back, she was one of the first people that greeted me and was like, I am so glad you're back here wow i mean so it's it's not like uh the patrick swayze movie ghost where when someone dies in the hospital they either have like the little grim reaper guys come up for them or you actually see them like ascend 
Um, not that I have seen. I have seen them walking away. I have the only time that I have actually physically seen the light myself was when I was going into it. And like I said, I did have two near death experiences um, where I, I flatlined. One was when I had my baby, and the one was about four or five years later. And um, it happened to be in the same hospital, so that you know, one ghost was there. And but and I do remember it very vividly going up i remember you know being surrounded by love and iridescent and there's all this music and i did not want to go back um but i was being pulled back and i had somebody that was saying we need you to go back and i was like why <laughs> you know i was under so much pain at the time and they were like you have to go back and so i would like to think that there i was sent back for a reason Maybe my books are part of it because there is a very spiritual aspect in my books. Even as, mm. even you know, when I got people walking over genitalia of the demons, you know, in the Sharon's last call, there is a very deep message. Um, in fact, to me, it's very poetic that it's coming. That is the release date, and I didn't come up with the release date. It was my publisher that it's actually being released three three twenty three. Yeah, that's that synchronization right there. Yeah. Exactly. So. Well, well, wow! It it has been a complete honor having you on, and I so many interesting topics. My listeners are going to love this episode. I already know it. Oh, but good. tell them where can they find you? Where can they find all your books? Just Gina Linnell. Okay, Gina Linnell dot com. Um, G I N A L Y N E L L E dot C O M. My I have my website there. They can look at the synopsis of my books. They can see what's coming up when I've, if they're in the Texas area, they are welcome to come to my, um, to, I've got a book launch that's coming up on March 3rd. That's going to be at the Voodoo Hut in uh, Cuma, Texas, which it's such an awesome motif because one, they tell their story at a bar and what better place to have it at a place that has a bar with the skull and bones and crossbones and all that stuff around. Um, but they can definitely find me there. And then when I'm booked for signings and things, I do list them on my website and I love to come out and, and meet people and talk to them because you never know. That's one thing when you meet me, you might end up being material in a book. Ooh, well, if you ever come out to Salem, let me let me know. I'll drive. I'll drive the hour and a half. But <laughs> yeah, definitely. In fact, my next idea for my book after I'm done with this one, it does involve witches. Oh, they always make good subject for books. They do, and they there's a lot really, of history there. They really do. And I actually, there is a paranormal uh, shop that's not too far away from me in Houston and they offer witchcraft lessons and they're like, Hey, why don't you come on over? We'll give you a few lessons. So, cause I like, like I said, I like things to be very authentic. So I do my research. Which usually makes books all the better when authors actually do the research for them rather than just yeah. piping them, piping them out one after another without really thinking about what they're writing. But yes, well, I will like. I, I want to thank you again for coming on. It's been an amazing episode, and I can't wait for my listeners to hear this. And sure. for all my listeners, for all my listeners, you know where you can find me. Please tune in next week. Be back in three or four days with the next episode. And I think I'm back on Monday for all my live watchers with another live. But thank you, Gene, for coming on. It's been a pleasure, and I will see everybody next time.
You can, of course, find me on Facebook as Jeremy Bryant or on Facebook as Paranormal New Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings podcast with the S Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter and the gram as that juggalo bastard. And you could find me, of course, on TikTok as that juggalo bastard podcast and on YouTube as Paranormal New Normal. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on everything we do if you're interested in seeing more. Patreon material coming soon.